Thank you for joining Radio Maria England. We now present Feasts and Seasons, presented by Joanna Bogle. Hello, this is Joanna Bogle talking about Feasts and Seasons on Radio Maria. We have a lot of good feasts coming up during March, and that's good because we're in the middle of Lent. And on a feast day, of course, you can take a break from your Lenten observance, especially if you're in the right country for the saint or if it's a universal saint. No Irish person needs to be told about St. Patrick on March the 17th, and probably most Catholics will know something about St. Joseph on March the 19th. St. Patrick's Day, of course, is celebrated in Ireland, which is also it's a holiday there. And in some parts of America where the Irish are settled, they do all sorts of things like, and I remember this from Chicago, dyeing the river green where it passes through the middle of a city. Mm, you couldn't make it up, could you? Everyone will tell you that St. Patrick was a Welshman. It's much more accurate to say that he was living on the furthest western coast of the Roman Empire. The point is he was facing out towards Ireland as he was growing up. Beyond the seas, Hibernia was not a Christian land at all. And when he was captured from his native land, which wasn't called Wales then, it was all just part of Britannia really, he was taken by pirates, we're told, captured you know, held hostage. We know the sort of thing only too well, and it still happens today. And in fact, our Navy patrols parts of the world where there are still people being taken hostage. And as we are sometimes reminded in the church, there are people who are captured as slaves. We call it human trafficking. It is still going on. And sometimes people who are captured in this way, perhaps not dramatically at sea, but somehow captured, end up in our cities and we don't always quite realise, because they're sort of hidden, not speaking English and so on, that somebody who just looks like some foreign worker may have a sad backstory like that. Thank goodness the church is doing something to try to campaign and protect uh, on this issue. Anyway, Patrick was captured. He was a Christian, came from a prominent Christian family. His name possibly indicates as much. You know, we still use the word patrician when we want to describe somebody uh, who held some formal position. Some sources say his father was a deacon. It's possible. It may just have been a prominent family. Anyway, they were certainly Christians. And when he was captured, he had to work as effectively slave labour in Ireland. But he wanted to bring these people the good news of Christ. And when he finally was able to make his escape after some years, came back to his native Britain, was ordained a priest. We think perhaps he visited Glastonbury, then the great Christian centre, or he may have gone, probably more likely, across the sea to Brittany. And remember, at that time, the language would have been cognate between Breton, Welsh, Cornish, all very interesting. And then he returned to Hibernia, to Ireland, as a missionary. And the rest we know. They say he drove out the snakes from Ireland and pictures, mosaics and statues of him often show him crushing snakes or with snakes disappearing into the distance. 
And it is true that on the island of Ireland there aren't any snakes. We in Britain don't have very many unpleasant snakes. We do have adders, vipers, uh, but they are not that prevalent, more so in the warmer parts of uh, Europe, including France, where you will sometimes see notices uh, along the roads warning you that a viper might be wriggling its way across, or, as once happened to me, coiling up and looking like a stone and almost inviting you to sit down. I had a narrow escape. St. Patrick drove the snakes out of Ireland, and that's also a way of explaining that he drove out the old pagan religion. It is said that he used the shamrock to teach about the Trinity. Well, if he did, it's not a very effective way of teaching. It's got something going for it. But I was warned as a catechist that it can only confuse people, sort of three gods. Better really to get three candles and merge them into one flame. There is one God. There is one God. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Anyway, celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Traditional dish, boiled bacon and cabbage, with lots of potatoes, of course. And I don't need to talk about all the Irish traditions of Irish dancing and so on. What about St Joseph? We take him so much for granted that he is sometimes neglected in Britain, but not so much in Italy and not so much in Latin America. And perhaps it's for that reason that our Holy Father has made this a year of St Joseph, because St Joseph would have featured in quite a large way in celebrations in his native Argentina when he was growing up. Helpfully, the great St John Paul issued a very good apostolic exhortation about St Joseph very shortly after he, Pope, now St John Paul, was elected Pope. It was one of his first apostolic exhortations. And he speaks about St. Joseph as the custodian of the Redeemer, the guardian of the Holy Child, the guardian of the Redeemer, the guardian of the Messiah. Very important. And he talks us through St. Joseph's life. There are a lot of things that we need to think about. We know the story, of course, but there are details that are worth noting. Joseph names the child Jesus. It's not Joseph's choice. He's already been told through Mary that that is what the child's name will be because the angel made that clear at the Annunciation. You will name him Jesus. But it is Joseph who gives the name to the child. Very important. Joseph's role is that of father and today we need this more than ever, the understanding of Joseph's role as a father. He taught the boy a craft, a trade and down the centuries that's what fathers have done. Teach your child, give him skills, equip him for life, train him. The idea that you just let him go his own way is not a helpful one at all. Not every boy follows his father, although many do, whether it's simply working in the same shop, selling at the same market stall, or sometimes becoming a doctor. That often goes in a family or a teacher or a soldier. But it's often simply that the father's role is to train and equip his boy for life making sure that he is trained and equipped and not just indulged. What about celebrating St Joseph's Day? Well, you can get the St Joseph's statue to put on your table very easily because you can get him from your family crib scene. Get him out and dust him down and put him on the table for supper. Talk about St Joseph. Look up that very useful exhortation from St John Paul 
easily available on the internet. Read the Gospel for the day, ponder St. Joseph, talk about him. And then the great tradition is you break your Lenten fast. Now, in Italian parishes in the United States, where I had the pleasure of being on a couple of occasions, they have a sweet stall for St. Joseph's Day. People bring to sell lots and lots of very sweet things. These include very typical American things like chocolate brownies and Italian American things, but it's also just sweets. And the idea is that you, you bring some and put them on the table together and, you, uh, and enjoy it, but you buy them. It's a bring and buy thing. So the money goes to a Lenten charity. And yes, you can eat the sweets in Lent because it's a feast day. Of course, we also know there are other days connected with St. Joseph, the modern feast of St. Joseph the Worker at the beginning of May. This was introduced uh, at the beginning of the 20th century as a kind of way of trying to Christianize the um, communist May Day. I'm not sure whether it's really worked, but we do seem to uh, have assimilated the idea that uh, work is a, is a noble and good thing. And that might be worth something else you could read about from John Paul, because he worked with his hands in a stone quarry, hardly the same as being a, a carpenter in a village. Uh, indeed, John Paul was a bit nearer being the slave labourers that we talked about earlier. But still, it's worth thinking about. And one of the things that's important for us to understand is that our everyday lives matter to God, our work matters to God, our family lives matter to God. And that's all part of what we understand from St. Joseph because what he did was the everyday work of caring for his wife and family. Worth pondering that the caring was challenging. Even at the very beginning of the adventure, they had to go to Bethlehem to be registered because he was at the house of David. Somehow I, I have a sort of empathy with it all when I have to fill in my tax return or some other tiresome bureaucratic thing. It feels funny to realise that that's been going on for centuries in every organised or civilised country, there's all this tiresome bureaucracy, but at least I don't have to go to somewhere else to fill in my tax return. I can do it here at home, and these days, of course, online. But then they had to flee, to flee into Egypt because of Herod. And here our hearts go out to people who today have to flee from oppression, and we certainly know about the persecution of Christians in modern times. And again, our present Pope has just highlighted this with his visit to Iraq. Very powerful to see him celebrating Mass amid the ruins and the joyful, joyful Christians who have managed to return in small but significant numbers and were so vindicated by his presence. So there is something here about helping refugees and there's something about the persecution of Christians and helping Catholic charities that do that. I've been involved, as so many listeners probably have, with Aid to the Church in Need. And I remember my memories go back to the days of persecution of the church in the communist dominated USSR and Eastern Europe, savage persecution. I remember standing outside the Soviet embassy shouting, free your Christian prisoners. Uh, and the wretched officials pretending they didn't know what we were talking about. When we used the word gulag, they were embarrassed. So we think of St. Joseph, custodian of the Holy Child taking care of Mary and the baby fleeing into Egypt. There's a legend that Mary, rinsing out their clothes, and especially her veil, 
hung them to dry on a rosemary bush and that's why it flowers with those little flowers. Yes, in the springtime every year, around St Joseph's Day in fact, in March. Think of that when you see a rosemary bush and use the sprigs of rosemary to scent the drawers and cupboards. Uh, it, it is said to keep moths away. So we think of Joseph taking the massive responsibility, massive responsibility of shepherding his family there and then back, back, back home. You're not meant to settle where you have to flee. You get back home, you get back home. And they settled once again in their hometown of Nazareth. And here he taught his foster son the trade. So let's pray to St. Joseph for our families and for fathers in particular. Another tradition, it's Father's Day in Italy, St. Joseph's Day, and you give your father doughnuts. Well, they're not quite like British doughnuts, but they are a lovely sugary uh, cake, uh, fried, if you like, in fat and tossed in sugar. So they are basically doughnuts, and that's the traditional thing for St. Joseph's Day. Say hello to anyone named Joseph, find out about other saints named Joseph, and remember uh, our beloved uh, Holy Father Emeritus, Pope Benedict, was born Joseph Ratzinger. And so this would have been his name day throughout his childhood and right the way up until he took the name Benedict on becoming Pope. Think about the Josephs that you know. Make sure they are given a happy feast day from you in greetings. And find out about the different versions of the name, including the basic one, Joe, Joey, and so on. And let's celebrate St. Joseph's Day. And then Lent continues. We take a break on the Sundays of Lent. Lent is 40 days long, but only if you miss out the Sundays. Every Sunday is a little Resurrection Day. And we get to Palm Sunday and then the drama of Holy Week. Spy Wednesday, Maundy Thursday, correctly known as Holy Thursday, but colloquially Maundy from the word for command or mandate. A commandment we all forget, that we must love one another. The night of the Last Supper, very dramatic to go to Mass that evening and hear the words, on the night before he died, on the night before he suffered, and then the pause, that is tonight. The one time of the year you'll hear that. And then Good Friday and the silence of Holy Saturday and the drama, the drama of the Easter Vigil and Easter Sunday morning and chocolate eggs. But we're not there yet. We mark St. Patrick on the 17th of March. We mark St. Joseph on the 19th of March. And then we return to Lent, following it through. And then we reach the glory of Easter. We've also got the Annunciation, and you'll be hearing about that in my next broadcast. I'm Joanna Bogle for Radio Maria. You're listening to Auntie Joanna, Joanna Bogle on Feasts and Seasons. Send us any of your stories. Tell us how you celebrate the feasts and seasons of the church's year. Any family traditions? What do you do, make, eat and sing for the different feasts of the year? What will you be doing for the feasts that are coming up? Send us your stories at info at radiomariaengland.uk Thank you. 